Welcome to the Whose Body Is It podcast. I'm your host, Isabella Malvin. For those who don't know me, I'm a birth worker, a life coach, hypnotist, and a former liberal feminist turned radical truth teller. On this podcast, I expose the forces at play attempting to control our minds and bodies, such as transgender ideology, pornography, prostitution, and so much more. Together, we'll untangle patriarchal lies as you listen to jaw-dropping interviews with women from around the world. Warning, while listening to this podcast, you might find yourself triggered or perhaps notice where you've been biting your tongue on the issues that matter most to you. In my coaching and hypnosis, I help women and men stop getting triggered by every single thing, cultivate resilience, stop unwanted behaviors, and increase self-confidence. You can book your first session at whosebodyisit.com, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. And I just want to say that it's because of your endless support that I'm able to interview amazing women, get their stories out, and produce regular episodes for you. So with that being said, please like, comment, and subscribe to my channel on YouTube. And if you're listening in, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And also consider making a financial contribution via the link in my show notes. You can also visit my activist sticker shop. My pro-woman stickers have the power to intercept transhumanist programming. So take a photo of your stickers out in the wild and tag me on Instagram at whose body is it? I wanted to let you know of a free talk I'm doing on Zoom on Thursday, January 26th at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. I am going to be telling you everything, all the raw details of my binge eating recovery. Yes, I've mentioned it on a couple episodes and definitely on Instagram and those of my clients who I've helped quit binge eating once and for all certainly know uh, a bit about my story, but I felt like it was time to share it with a larger group. So if you can join us live Again, it's on Thursday, January 26th. It's free to join. If you can't join us live, you can still register and you'll get access to the replay the following day. And you can register through the link in the show notes. Without further ado, let's get into this week's story. Today, I speak with my friend Jessica Gonzalez. Jessica is the founder of Turf Collective, a radical feminist space committed to fighting the global campaign of female erasure. We talk tactics of consciousness raising, direct action, and spreading the message of female liberation. For Turf Collective, this began with educational pamphlets, including one taking aim at Target's gender-neutral bathrooms, the institution of which preceded a 190% increase in peeping Tom incidences in their stores. Jessica and her network of TERFs have also organized demonstrations against transgenderism. Wherever they gather, trans rights activists show up to threaten and even assault the women in an attempt to silence their woman-centered message. 
We know there are many battles to come, and today you'll hear what's working and what's not in the war against transgender ideology. So, Jessica, okay, will you first start off by telling everyone who isn't already familiar about your the group that you started a couple years ago called Turf Collective? So Turf Collective is an international group of women committed to fighting the global campaign of female erasure currently underway, known as the transgender ideology agenda. So that's what prompted us to begin. Well, that's really what kind of got us all together because on the basis of the fact that there are so many of us upset about transgender ideology, obviously a lot of us take to the internet to find each other and find comfort and find community. I decided it would be really good for us to formalize a little bit and start having meetings, especially all the rude turfs, rude fams on Facebook. So I just started a group uh, on Facebook where we would all actually have video-based meetings um, like we're having now, mm-hmm. you and me. And um, so, yeah, I started that in April 2021. And, but it's been really, so far, a great success and still popular with a lot of women. Um, and we're still going strong. Amazing. And then I remember you you produce pamphlets that you put in like public spaces and stores. Can you, can you maybe talk a little bit about like the pamphlets versus the, because I, you know, I have a sticker store. I sell stickers. What's the the idea behind the pamphlet and what does that offer? Sure. So we've had two like kind of paper campaigns so far. And then the first like one that was uh, so super successful was the, we called it the target action. So it was a national protest against target stores. It's just basically um, an awareness and consciousness raising campaign. So we made, drew up quarter flyers, very small, simple uh, quarter flyers in black and white print that said, did you know that since Target began its gender neutral bathroom policy, peeping Tom incidents have increased 190% in Target, you know, in Target stores. And then there's a QR code at the, in the corner that if you scan that with your phone, it would lead you to the study that actually showed this. It's not a fact we were, you know, out of our asses it's like no there have been an increase in reports and arrests and media reports because this is all the study was sourced from from news media so this is all well documented that there's been this increase in criminality um sexual assaults of women and children in target stores since this ability for people to just kind of freely self-identify into whatever Um, facilities they wanted to. Conservatives had caught wind of the target policies and had launched their own really lofty campaign against target. Theirs was a boycott. And even though their boycott had some impact on profits for target, it was really marginal. Seeing that, of course, and this was like a couple of years after I even realized this was going on in target stores, I knew that turfs being a substantially smaller number of 
of us than than say um, conservatives that we if they were not successful we weren't going to be successful with say a boycott but what can we do to at least try to increase awareness because that's the biggest problem we face as turfs is that a lot of people don't know these things are even happening mm -hmm. but what can we do we can all access a printer with cheap paper and black and white prints. You can do it at a local print shop. And a lot of us just happen to have a printer and print off these quarter flyers, cut them up, fold them up and go through Target stores and put them in the pockets, in the jackets, in books, in purses, in everything that a Target store sells. Specifically, ideally, that targets an adult human female as a consumer, because that's who we think the needs the information the most, of course. But we did that. And so we did that all across the country. We did it from Pennsylvania, to California, to Vermont, to Florida, Washington, and Oregon. We did it everywhere. We did 10,000 of these flyers across the country. Um, so that was our most popular and successful campaign. After that, we did release a pamphlet called They Might Call You a Turf. And it was like a beautifully designed one. I almost wish I had one here to show you. A beautifully designed one by a professional graphic artist who did all our cover art. And then inside is just really comprehensive because, again, most people don't have this information. So it included everything from, you know, what the difference between trans, air quotes, trans is, and actually, you know, for example, differences in sexual development to mm -hmm. things that, that that side loves to conflate. They love to pretend that one thing is the other. No, there's differences. Why differences between males and females are important. The facts that males retain, say, athletic and competitive advantage over females for life once they've undergone male puberty and all these different things, even talking about criminality, uh, men and women's prisons, all these issues that the general public tends to know nothing about. And so, like I said, we released that and that's available from us. It's available as a PDF, again, a black and white simple um, pamphlet that can be printed off in large quantities if you so desire or small quantities and so desire and be left anyway. You can leave it at the in books at the library. Um, you can post it outside in the street, um, like anywhere, anywhere. You can leave them anywhere. Um, so that's that's really been the thing that that we like to do is these low cost but potentially high impact guerrilla approaches because a lot of women are very scared, and I understand that. But this gives you a way to do something. It's better than nothing you at least have the potential with this very simple act of printing out a piece of paper and dead dropping it somewhere that you will bring awareness about what's going on to any old stranger someone you may never meet or never know so that's kind of been our thing that's amazing i love it and also i imagine state to state you you know, a, a woman who's perhaps af afraid of like violating some kind of like vandalism law via stickering, you know, might be more inclined to do a, a pamphlet. And I love that the, the pamphlets are so informative. Um, 
And yeah, like you said, it, it gives a sense of power to a woman who doesn't even know where to start to and who maybe doesn't want to show her face because she doesn't want to lose her job or whatever. So, okay, so that you started that in 2021, and then you most recently were involved in the Oakland Speakers Corner. Is that right? Well, Oakland, well, what happened in Oakland was um, actually was WDI itself organized a nonviolent direct action protest because the Dana Rivers, okay, so Dana Rivers is this trans-identifying male murderer. At this point, he's convicted, so I'm perfectly comfortable saying that. Um, he was convicted of murdering two lesbians and their son in their home. So um, that trial, well, the murder happened in Oakland. They all lived in Oakland. And then the trial is happening in Oakland. And then, so WDI, we wanted to go there and we wanted to, not that I I am with WDI, but I did participate in this protest and I'm a big supporter of theirs, of course, wanted to show up there to protest the facts this man, first of all, is being jailed in women's jails at, at the moment, in a women's jail at the moment, and could be potentially convicted and then and then house with women to serve out his sentence. But also, again, of course, to bring attention to the fact that trans-identifying males are no less dangerous and no less of a threat to women than any other men. We undertook that action that was on December 5th. And just like you would expect, we're standing outside in front of Lake Merritt uh, there's a there's a small amphitheater there across the street from the courthouse, and we were standing there holding banners, like in kind of a silent protest. We were just going to be holding the banners there. It was really, you know, kind of a solemn moment for us. And trans identity supremacists bomb rushed us. They threw eggs and pies at us. One of them ran their bike <laughs> right into us. And they yanked our signs and they ran away with, with them. Um, so that's what happened to us in Oakland. But that was the, the nature of our demonstration was to, to stand in solidarity with lesbians and stand in solidarity with incarcerated women that we don't think that it's okay. That murderous men, rapists men, any kind of violent man or any kind of even nonviolent man, any man at all should be housed with them. So that was that was why we were out there. And that's that's what happened to us for 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 being out there to to vocalize that. We were wondering whether or not trans identity supremacists would come out in strong defense of a convicted murderer. A man convicted of murdering a pair of lesbians and their son in their home and they showed us that they will. They will stand for any man, no matter how violent, or aggressive, and murderous he is, that claims to be a woman. And they will stand for him because he claims to be a woman. So that's what happened there. Shocking. Just new levels of shocking. And I mean, back to like what you were saying earlier with the guerrilla activism and you know, making sure people know what's you know what's going on you know like this the story sounds made up 
I was hanging out right. with my friend yesterday and, and she's brilliant and she had no idea that men were being housed in, in women's prison. You know, like the story sounds it sounds right. like complete insanity. So so right now, oh no, he has been convicted. Yeah, he's been convicted. And then oddly, for this trial, and I don't know enough about California law or the criminal system in California to know, but if this is normal in general or if it's just for this trial, but he's been convicted of the murder. Then the next phase will be to determine his sanity or insanity. And then I don't know what impact that will be. But the family expected that to happen today for things to, to move forward today or tomorrow as we sit for this discussion. But it turns out that it won't be until after the new year. So they're not back in court today. And, and we don't know what, what they're going to determine or, or where they are in that. Um, but that's that's really sad for the family to have to wait even longer um, very sad that this man might have an opportunity to have uh, some kind of a, any kind of mitigation to his sentence or any kind of just mitigation for the fact of what he did is just, it's just awful. It's just really awful. It's really painful. Um, yeah. Is that the most recent protest that you were involved in or what what are the projects that you're kind of working on now or looking forward to, you know, with with your all your activism? Yeah, so that definitely was um that was just a, a few weeks ago. Now, okay, in terms of Dana Rivers, um, I think the group may go out again and continue to demonstrate because it's it's important to show this continued um, mm -hmm. solidarity with lesbians and incarcerated women. I personally, um, I'm toying with the idea. I've kind of soft pitched several other women on it. Um, when we're throwing it around, we're not sure to commit just yet, but we're thinking about maybe doing a rally in DC. We're thinking about a rally in DC. We're thinking about getting out there and causing a stir and making our presence known to lawmakers, maybe going to the Hill and, and meeting with lawmakers on in mass around um, these topics that concern us. So that's something that we're just at least thinking about and toying with. Mm -hmm. um, nothing's nailed down or settled down yet for that. But right now, because of all the excitement in the air, especially in since Kelly J. Keene came to the United States and we had all those um, Let Women Speaks across the country, I think there's a little bit of an effervescence around coming out into the street. And so I definitely want to try to see if we can capitalize on that in 2023. So mm -hmm. we'll see. What did you think of the New York footage? Because you weren't you weren't at, at the New York one. I didn't make it to New yeah. York. I was just at Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to tell you about Philadelphia in a yeah, minute, yeah, but New know. York was something from I don't know, like it was. I would I would say a movie, but I've never seen a movie go that bad. <laughs> it was so awful, but I think we could really do something in New York 
given the hostility of that crowd, I don't know what everybody else is, where everybody else is with it, but I would love to have a major show of force of turfs. And I don't mean force like literal force. I mean, like, I would love for a lot more of us to turn out in a place like that and really try to do more. But um, that footage was, was, it was, it was awful. And I think these people increasingly showing just how extreme they are. I think it, it really would jar people to realize that there are people that are so violently opposed these ideas that the vast majority of humans alive agree with. So if you go back, there's, there's like really great footage of us at Oakland. It spread all over the internet. It made it to Fox news. Andy, no randomly, <laughs> or maybe not so randomly posted it. And it's this woman who's there talking to us while we're at the Oakland protest and we're holding our banners and they're coming towards us and they're bum rushing us. And she just starts like screaming. She's like, Oh my God, what's this? Oh my God, what are you doing? What are we doing? Why are you doing this? Like, so she's just a normal woman who was engaging with us. She was trying to talk to us about the issues substantively. And they just swoop in. And most people are like her. Most people would have no idea that there are these people that go around trying to attack women for saying that men aren't women or that women need same sex spaces or that men shouldn't be in women's prisons or that men deserve, don't deserve women's scholarships and this and that. So I, I think the strategy is working and in terms of bringing attention to the facts that, that look at these reactions we're getting from these people from for even going out to say these things but that strategy is going to be limited by however much our numbers are limited right mm -hmm. so if we can get a lot more of us out there we can bring a lot more attention to these events we have because even when there are a few of us we have the potential to make prime time cable news so imagine Imagine if we had a couple of hundred women holding banners and standing in solidarity, you know, if we were transgressed upon what, what that could generate in terms of just attention of the ordinary pu person, John Q public, Jane Q public that might be watching on their television and might be like, wait a minute, <laughs> of course men don't belong in women's prisons. Don't be ridiculous. Like, right. so they would all agree with us and they would all be like, why are you, you know, why this extreme like violence and aggression towards these normal viewpoints, these ordinary, regular, regular people points of view. And I think that would be, that would do so much to change the narrative that would do so much to threaten institutional capture that would do so much to bring the agenda to a grinding halt but we need to gather our women so the idea would be hundreds or thousands of us all meet in dc yes. Yes. make a scene, have security, and have it go international. Or not have security. I don't know. That I don't know. Depends. Well, 
I mean, the New York turnout was really big. I mean, I mean, uh, for the opposition. I mean, there was a large enough yeah crowd. for the opposition, right? Yeah, it, there's there was a large enough crowd that like it's no coincidence that local news didn't cover it, like because it looks bad, like it on right. them, they're instantly you know called transphobic or being like transphobic sympathizers or whatever they're they're called but like local news is always crunching for things to cover it's not like you know what i mean they recycle the same shit over and over and over and over right 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 and this was a really fascinating historic event in women's history and not a peep and like the only legitimate like really good footage that was taken was by Timcast, you know, like one yeah. alternative media source covered it. And that's why we have all that that excellent footage. Well, but- I think the New York Post covered it and they covered it. They framed the turfs as homophobes. Right. Right. They right, right. framed it as an anti-gay demonstration. So they didn't even try to get it right. <laughs> it's so infuriating. It's like yes, it it definitely is. <laughs> it definitely is. But I would just, I would just say, I just think that we have to keep going. Like we have to keep doing it, and we have to get more and more and more and more because I feel like we're beginning to, we're making a, we're beginning to make a dent, but we won't you know, crack it open unless we keep hammering it. And so we hammer it by continuing to do the actions. Yes. And then also by growing our numbers. And then I'll say, this is why I am not opposed to um, right-wing platforms showing the work we do, because if it weren't for right-wing platforms, we may not get any coverage at all. Even the New York Post is considered a kind of a conservative leaning outlet to New Yorkers, but even it was inclined to botch the framing of who we are and what we are and what we do. Nevertheless, some coverage, I would say, is better than no coverage. So at least attention is being paid and maybe should we go out there again, maybe we'll have even better luck. So. But we won't know until we try and we won't succeed un- unless we try. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then how, how did it compare to Philadelphia? Okay. So Philadelphia, in my opinion, in a lot of ways was the most successful of the let women speak events. And I don't say that like in some, some way, Oh, like because I was there or, I had anything to, you know, do with making it a success. Here's what happened in Philadelphia. So Philadelphia, Let Women Speak, was held at the piece of federal property that contains the Liberty Bell. So it's like a very important nationally, right? Because it's a federal federal territory, that small area there, it's protected by two sets of law enforcement we could say it's the parks 
federal rangers, like the, you know, the parks people, and then also the Philadelphia police. So there are just a lot more of them to draw on. And like I say, because it's so federally important, they're going to show up in force. And another thing is we had held a Let Women Speak event there, not with Kelly J. Keene, obviously, she wasn't here in the States then, but just as some local women some months prior. And so the the law enforcement folks that were designated to that area had already gotten a taste of how it could be. The first time around, it was a little like New York, not that vicious, but they were right on top of us. They were super loud. They were very physically imposing. And so that initial event, what ended up happening was the law enforcement, they ended up just kind of linking arms and uh, making a semicircle around us. So it would be like um, um, trans supremacist, law enforcement person, and then turf. Like we were literally pressed up against each other and no reason for there to be. There was plenty of room, but but those activists wouldn't give us an inch of space to breathe. Like they, for as long as we were out there, they were going to be there and they were going to be literally right on top of us. So that's how that went down. So this time when, when the Kelly J. Keene event rolled around and it's us, our same groups asking for that permit, they were better prepared. So this time, even though it was the same area in the same park, there's this slab called People's Plaza, and it's literally concrete down on the ground, cut into the grass, and appropriately, the First Amendment marks this People's Plaza. So it's the First Amendment, you know, right to free speech verbiage at a little monument at the at that kind of the entryway to the slab. So what they did was they put um, police barricade railings and they cordoned off the back, the back three ends of this slab. And then in the front, they stood there and lined it with their bodies and their bicycles, making a front gate, basically. And so the women could only, or, or participants to the Let Women Speak event, the permitted event, could only enter that area if one of the women inside vouched for you, right? So we weren't going to get overrun the way we were, were the first time where everybody was just kind of commingling. Here, it was very clear, very clear delineation. We had a kind of a pen area for our events. They lined it with their bodies. And if you were there to counter protest, you absolutely could, but you must be outside this boundary. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would say made it highly successful because we weren't ever in any threat, like physically, really, from all these people. So we were comfortable. We had our tripods up and our cameras up and we gave our speeches and we did our thing. Now, what I will say, one thing that we always struggle with at these events is that we're completely drowned out by the opposition. They always can afford better sound systems than we can. So, and then they do bring them. They bring these massive speakers on these big poles and they're, they completely drown us out and they can be heard a half a block radius, even in a busy um, urban center like Philadelphia. And, and we can hardly be heard at all. So it was successful in the sense that we were able to comfortably execute our demonstration and our events without being transgressed on and assaulted 
but we were severely limited as we always are in our ability to project our message to the general public. And of course, that's what they don't want. They don't want our communication to get out to the general public. That's why they drown us out. That's why they snatch our signs because they know if anybody walking saw what we were doing, they would agree with us. And that's their biggest fucking nightmare. And that's why I say, that means we need to keep doing it and we need to do better. We need to do it with more of us. We need so many of us that they can't sn snatch all our signs, that they can't drown us all out. That's, that's the level we need to get to it um, with. But um, so that was Philadelphia. And like I say, I, I believe it was a pretty successful event um, in any women across the country that are doing let women speak events, any kind of these kind of public events is really pay special attention to your venue, pay special attention to the tendencies of the law enforcement in your area. There are a lot of places where the law enforcement in the area is not just apathetic towards turfs, but openly hostile towards us. They see us as troublemakers because even mm -hmm. I have to assume that most people on the police force agree with us. That fact notwithstanding, they probably think we're more trouble than we're worth. And if they see us as a hassle, they're going to be disinclined. I don't even want to say help us because you don't have, that's not, it's like you're li like literally your job, but regardless, they won't, feel very pressed to do that and that's why i really wanted to mention about philadelphia the exact site of the demonstration and the dynamics around it because sometimes if you're in a territory like that if you're in an area like that where police really are not inclined to care about you or your cause you have to ask yourself well do they care about where we're protesting at least like even if i physically I'm just like, you know, just a, 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 a woman nagging and I'm abhorrent to you, Mr. or even Mrs. Officer or Miss Officer, and you want nothing to do with having to protect me. Do you at least care about this piece of ground that I'm standing mm -hmm. on? Maybe the piece of ground is worth protecting and maybe that will bring us some, some security from, you know, law enforcement. And then sometimes if you get nothing, I don't know, can, you know what I mean? I don't know, That that's also a, you know, that's where that nonviolent direct action comes from too. It's like, sometimes you won't get protection and sometimes that's okay. Sometimes you opt to do whatever it takes. Um, do I believe that women fighting for this cause deserve to be assaulted, hit, smacked, punched, pushed, have things snatched out of their hands, um, have pies and eggs and all kinds of things thrown at us? No, I don't. Do I believe that women should have to sleep in shifts and feel terrorized because men are in their prisons? No, I don't. So sometimes it feels a little bit like I don't know, maybe you might be willing to put yourself at harm's risk to, to have a chance, not a guarantee, but have even so much as a chance of bringing attention to a bigger injustice. It's a thought.
you know, I'm not, my mind isn't settled on that, but it's a thought. Um, it's a desperate, yeah, it just it sounds like a desperate thought. You know, it's a, I can understand why you would think that or just, yeah, but yeah, I don't think it's ethical to invite women without them knowing the risks and for them to make the decision. Oh, no, I would never invite right. women without them knowing the risks. Um, right. Yeah, I have the impression that things like that sometimes happen, and that's what I would not. Um, but that's why, you know, Philadelphia, we were very lucky because we'd already kind of had a dry run, so we kind of knew how it would go. And we were we felt very confident that the law enforcement there was going to even you put their physical bodies to create a barrier between them and us. Um, and this time they did an even better job than the time before, because last time they were, they were caught off guard, so to speak. Um, mm -hmm. And also in Philadelphia, we didn't manage to have actually um, a private security force that volunteered um, because they support turfs and support our message and so we did have like half a dozen or so men just kind of roaming the perimeter and making sure to keep an eye on things and stuff like that so but no yes i definitely don't believe in having women be unaware that they are expected to participate in something that has the potential of getting them hurt so for example for the one in oakland um we were vetted Right. It wasn't an open invitation for any turf. Please come here and we're going to protest Dana Rivers. Not at all. We were invited. Basically, we are interested in doing this action. It could potentially devolve to this. We believe you have the, the temperament that you will be able to execute this action in a dignified manner. Are you interested? And it was up to every woman that participated to be like, yeah, that sounds great. Or, or no, I'm, I'm not really trying to take any kind of risk, you know, mm -hmm. to my, you know, I don't know what could happen out there. And, and that's, you know, if you don't want to do, don't have to do it, but no, you're absolutely right. I com I consider it completely unethical to just invite women and have them, you know, be like sitting ducks. Um, no, 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 I, I wouldn't suggest that, but, but I, I do believe in pre-planning things and then, and then just making women aware of what potential could be if they're unaware mm -hmm. and making them aware certainly of what their the expectations are for them like what what would you be called on for i mean this conversation what it reveals to me is just the well just the fact that like yeah this is just a war and these are battles and that we're having to be more strategic and as the opposition becomes more violent and yeah. more organized and you know has the the sentiment of the the police in their favor maybe the police don't agree with what they're saying but they're they're right, not right, as right. interested you know they they know that the police aren't going to defend us you know like right yeah it's a, it's just wild it's just really crazy I mean, what do you think well i guess i'll like to close maybe i'll ask you two things what do you think is going to happen, you know, 2023, 2024? Do you see just more consciousness rating, raising? Do you see it getting worse? Do you, I mean, do you see transgenderism just becoming more normalized? I mean, you seem hopeful as long as I feel hopeful. Yeah, I always feel hopeful. 
I always feel hopeful. Why? Because most people agree with us. So yes, um, could the volume continue to rise on institutional capture and pressure coming from corporatists and NGO forces and government forces? I believe so. I believe once they're on a trajectory, they're going to keep at it. But I don't care. I care that most normal people that wake up and go to work every day and have normal obligations and do normal everyday stuff at the end of the day, know that a man is a man and a woman is a woman and that the differences in biological sexes are significant and important for some things and insignificant and unimportant for others. And they're smart enough to know the difference, you know? So that's why I'm always hopeful. But to answer your question again, yes, I, I think that, like I said, the volume could continue to turn up on the, on the pressure of institutional capture, but ultimately we're going to win this. There's just, you can't, you cannot beat nature. Nature is undefeated. <laughs> mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Well, then what, what was your like a turf highlight? What was maybe your like uh best moment of 2022, your, your turf highlight of 2022, a moment where you felt, or maybe it was one of the events where it was just, Lots of solidarity. What was your, yeah, your, 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 uh, your rose of 2022 in turfdom? So I, I really loved, and I think a lot of us really loved the, um, WDI at the end of September had their first ever annual convention. And a lot of us just had such an amazing time like it was such an amazing weekend of sisterhood there and it felt like turf summer camp and we didn't want to leave have you i'm sure you've had mary lou singleton um on your show I'm, yes I, we do lots of projects together no i know you do i know you do and i love her so much and i have loved her so much it feels like for so long and I got to spend hours and hours together with Mary Lou Singleton. And I was just, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because she was the woman that changed my life when it comes to this topic. Wow. I started listening to WLRN, you know, Thistle Patterson's um, Women's Liberation Radio News years ago as a baby turf, just scrounging around for content and stuff that would resonate and that would speak to us. And she gave this interview on there that I will never forget. I mean, she blew my mind all the way open. Um, she was talking about the Pritzker family and just all the money connections and the political connections and all this blew my skull wide open so anyway that had to be in like what like maybe like 2017 i listened to this interview and i had no idea that five years later i would be in a hotel room um just chilling with mary lou singleton 
just her and me just talking and talking and talking. And um, so if you're asking me for the rose of <laughs> my year 2022, it was, it was that, it was that convention. It was that gathering of women. I mean, there were so many brilliant, amazing, like Joe Freeman was there. I mean, like it was so great. It was so perfect. Uh, congratulations to them on a wonderful event. And that was it. That was the highlight of my year um, for sure. That's awesome. Oh, Mary Lou's gonna love love to hear that. That is so cool. Oh and no, you know, I told her in person. You don't okay, get, you she don't, don't even okay, have to watch knows. this. She know <laughs> she knows I'm obsessed. And uh it was like meeting her in real life was like everything I hoped for, expected, and so much more. Oh my god, she's great. Anything else before we close? No, that's all. And I just, as I always do, want to encourage women to do your best to be brave. We won't win this fight hiding in the dark. And you may not want to come out with your full face and name and everything today or tomorrow or the next day. But press yourself to contribute a little more every day, Mm -hmm. every time you can. Press yourself to do so. And, and and hopefully soon enough women will have done that, that we will we will break this thing open. That's all. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or family member who needs to hear this content. And if you do share it on social media, don't forget to follow and tag me at whose body is it. So until next time. <laughs>